How have things changed for musicians in the last 12 months? How can musicians utilize social media and digital marketing powerfully to create success in today's world climate? That's what we're going to be looking at in this episode of the New Music Industry Podcast. You're listening to the David here. In today's episode, you're going to be hearing an interview I did with Wolf at Gaki Music, which is at gakimusic.com. That's G-A-K-I music.com. We had a great conversation about social media, digital marketing, and how independent musicians can create results with their marketing efforts, even in the midst of lockdowns. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Gaki Music podcast. I am Wolf, the original creative. And today we have a very special guest who I'm very excited about, and I will let him introduce himself. Hey, Wolf, it's David Andrew Weeb from Music Entrepreneur HQ. I am the founder and CEO, and my mission is to help musicians. And my basic vision for Music Entrepreneur HQ is to connect musicians with the mental models and tools they need to create the life they love through music. Amazing. Amazing. And David is very modest, but I'm going to try and, <laughs> you know, let you see how, or should I say, listen to how awesome he is. Today's topic is digital marketing and social media in the music industry and in the music space. So we're going to kick this off by just talking a little bit broadly about um, music marketing. Uh, digital marketing and you know the impacts you know right now because obviously we've all somewhat been forced to if we weren't before we have to now (laughs) take digital marketing and social media into consideration and I know that some musicians have a bit of a adverse response to social media which (laughs) can happen (laughs) But, but you know this is this is the world we're in right now so yeah it will be great to talk about that talk about what it's been like in the last kind of 12 months as well compared mm-hmm. to before that and yeah just kind of kick off talking about just as generally how the how the last 12 months have, have changed if they've changed how they've changed and yeah Absolutely. So, I mean, starting kind of broadly with digital marketing and social media, which is a favorite topic of mine and I love sharing about it. I think there's a couple of things that everybody needs to know. And these things are not sexy and they're not going to be the most exciting part. Where are the tactics and strategies is what everyone's going to say. And we'll get to those. I'm sure we'll talk more about some amazing things you can do online right now. But number one is audience. Who is your audience? It, it all starts there. If you don't have a good sense of who that is, then I guess you probably didn't set up your Facebook page years ago. You set it up yesterday. <laughs> and that's a that's a bit of a problem. But if you didn't know this, you can go into Facebook and look at your insights. And that will tell you pretty much who your audience is. You can look at their age range. You can look at their location. You can look at their gender and kind of figure out what the ratio is. And maybe it'll be more skewed towards males. Maybe it'll be skewed a little more towards females. And But your age range is sort of easy to figure out. In most cases, it's going to be you plus or minus five to 10 years, maybe 15 if you're a little more like me and you got a baby face and no one knows what age you are. Uh, 
so you need you need a good sense of who your audience is, what their interests are. Uh, the psychographic is more information is better to know than because the demographic information, the demographics just age, country, location, gender, stuff like that. The psychographic is like where do they hang out online? And the thing that I always like to say is your audience has already been built. And some musicians don't like to hear that, but today that's like a major advantage. Like that's a huge advantage compared to where we were because every musician was just like, all right, let's get out there. Let's tour. Let's build our audience. You don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to play terrible bars, dive bars for the next 10 years of your life to figure out if you want to take that route, you are welcome to, but you don't have to do that anymore. Your audience has already been built. And so you are the CEO of your music business. You begin to make decisions about who your audience is and identify who they are, you can go and appeal to them right now today and begin attracting them. It's going to look a little bit like poaching audience from different uh, communities like Facebook groups, or maybe your audience hangs out on Twitter or Instagram. There's going to be different pockets in different locations, but having identified who your audience is, you can then go into all these different locations, begin to extend your arms out like an octopus. Um, that's something that a lot of musicians don't understand either though, because instead of being the octopus, the head's missing. They have the tentacles, but not the head. The head's your website. Every musician and artist needs a website. And you're saying, oh, well, Will Smith doesn't have a website. Will Smith should have a website. I don't know. He's being a horrible example to humanity right now (laughs) or to musicians right now, but not having a a proper artist website set up. There should be. I want it. I'd like to go and visit Will Smith's website. And and so would probably millions of other people, right? So you need a central space where people can go back to to get everything that has to do with you, everything you've ever done, demos, bonus tracks, stuff that people would be interested in hearing, your back catalog. And also, you know, number one thing is always collect email addresses, but don't be afraid to sell either. A lot of musicians are afraid to sell. Uh, and even if the, when they do sell, it's tentative. And, you know, here's a $1 single you can get. No, you need products like that are ranging from 99 cents all the way up to $999 if you can do it. Maybe even $9,999 if you just like bundle up a bunch of your live performances and say, book 20 shows with us. And it's $9,999 or something like that. So you need that whole spectrum. And then lastly, from sort of the three elements that you need to begin with is branding or brand uh, positioning. So branding is the impact or difference that you want to make in the world as an artist. Based on who your audience is, there should be some intersection or interconnection of that. If you don't, then you're probably going to have to look for a new audience, if that makes sense. So you need to make sure there's some synergy between your overall branding and who you're trying to attract to your specific tribe. But your brand should be really obvious, not from the colors, not from the fonts, not from the logos. That stuff's important your visual brand, but we're talking about the impact, the difference, the change that you represent in the world. Sometimes that can literally be as simple as we're a party band for, you know, college kids. Great. That's the difference that you want to make in the world. You can go and do that, but that's what you got to begin to represent and you got to speak their language and you got to begin to look like you're the kind of band that would appeal to college kids. And then your brand positioning and this, some of the stuff I swear it took me years to learn, but your brand positioning should be mentioned in just about everything you do. It should be on your posters. It should be in your blog posts. It should be on your website. It should be on your business cards. Anything that you do, your brand positioning should be mentioned. What makes you different? What makes you stand out from your peers? 
So that's like a broad overview of the few things that you got to get together before you go out and worry about tactics and strategies. Amazing, amazing. That, that's like something where sometimes people may not consider that when they should really consider that. And like you yeah. said, before this, the strategies and the tactics even come into play as, as a thought, it should be like, okay, what's the brand? And like you said as well, not just the external aspects of the brand, but the internal, the why, the mission, the, you know, the cause behind the brands, you know, all those things, which is really, really good to, to be aware of and, and to even explain. And so from your experience, once all that has come together, what's the next consideration? Yeah, that's a great question. It's that it's at that point that you can sort of begin creating a marketing strategy, because if you understand your audience and you have a clear understanding of what their likes and dislikes are and where they hang out online, you already know which platforms to go after. The, and now it's a question of sort of the approach. And a lot of people approach this uh, the wrong way in the sense that they just go over to these groups or these people on social media and go, hey, want to buy my stuff? Or like, you know, uh, check out my new album and nobody cares and you're not going to get a response. You can send out a thousand of those tweets and then maybe a couple of people are going to listen. But your your response rate could be much, much higher than that if you approach this the right way. And, and the right ways to begin build, building relationships with people and then sort of building that curiosity or like the curiosity approach or begin to ask them questions about your music. So like ego boost, right? People love to feel like they're an expert in something. If you ask them what they think about your music, they're going to give you a response. But that also means you've gained a listener. And if your music's really great, you've gained a lifetime listener. You know what I mean? So I think that's what musicians miss. It's like, it doesn't matter how well you've identified the first three things we talked about if your approach is off. And so that's the number one thing that we want to get right is making sure that we're building relationships because music is a relationship business through and through. You don't like people, you're in the wrong industry. (laughs) And we don't want to burn bridges. It's a very small industry too. And, you know, we'll, word will travel. I've messed up too. I'm preaching to myself as much as anyone else, but word will, will travel and you will make mistakes and you'll, you know, one thing follows you around your reputation and you don't want it to be like that as much as possible. You want to make really great relationships. Don't be weird. There's just so many weird people out there that have emailed me or contacted me on, on Facebook and I'll block them on Facebook. And next thing I know, they're talking to me on LinkedIn. Their messages don't make sense. I can't make sense of them. Maybe someone else could go and decode them, but I'm, I'm just, you know, stop being weird. Don't be weird. Be, be a real person. Connect in the way that you connect. It's okay to use the language you use because that's going to be your brand positioning anyway. And, and just create that relationship first before you worry about trying to pitch your music to every every living soul don't be like a nigerian prince on email asking for money (laughs) i understand (laughs) amazing amazing so going into the kind of stuff that i know people want to hear what's the secret juice what's the the Mm. one the strategy that that thing that (laughs) Helps. And the reason why I'm laughing is because there's never one thing and everyone's different. So it's not no. going to be 
one shoe fits all. But what is the kind of key considerations when finding out the best um, approach for an individual to take to, to figure it out for themselves? Yeah, interestingly enough, it actually goes back to the audience yet again. So if we look at what their interests are, what their likes and dislikes are, how they like to interact with you, which is what you're going to figure out over time as you continue to interact with them, send emails, uh, communicate with them on social media, you're going to begin to figure out what their preferences are. So if you already know that you know they're on Facebook or if they're on Twitter or if they're on Instagram or Pinterest or elsewhere, then you're already kind of headed in those in those directions. That said, there's a lot of sexy things, a lot of things that are being discussed in the music industry right now, and most of them are sort of like misplaced. So I will say like Spotify. Good luck, you know, uh, Spotify is so saturated. And I get that people were kind of tweaking its algorithm for a while and they had some success with that, but you you know that. It's going to go away, right? And and maybe in the future, you'll, you'll tweak the algorithm in some other way. But let's just face it. They're going to keep updating the algorithm until you can't do any kind of exploits anymore. And who cares if one cent per stream becomes a real thing? How much money are you making after 3,000 streams? Not a whole lot. So <laughs> who cares? Uh, number two is Instagram. People focus so much on Instagram. Instagram's great. I should post stories. I should post posts. I should post videos. Maybe just post a couple times a day, get in, get out, because the reality the reality is it's like anything else. You're it's kinda like winning the lottery if you make it huge as an influencer. You know, some people are gonna do well in it, don't get me wrong. Uh, if you have a lot of visual work to show, it can be a great place to build a brand. But ultimately it's it's probably not gonna be, you know, the better roses or the chest of gold that you've been waiting for or been trying to find this whole time. I'm still suggesting though that you experiment with with everything that you've found to be effective with your fan base. For some people, it's going to be the funnel. But the thing about the funnel, and again, it looks like a really sexy thing uh, because that's the way it's being presented on other podcasts and from other experts. It's a lot of work. And it's a lot of work in areas that you don't know anything about. And it, it doesn't matter if you have a landing page template. It doesn't matter if you have like copywriting templates. It doesn't matter if you have a video templates. It's still going to be a lot of experimentation, a lot of work, a lot of A and B testing. This ad worked. This, that didn't work. Uh, this ad didn't connect at all. I need a new swap out the video. Okay, the video works now, but now the landing page doesn't work. I need to swap out the copy. The copy seems like it's resonating with people, but people still aren't signing up. So now I need to move the the location of the sign up bar. You know what I mean? Like you're going to be spending time endlessly doing that until your funnel is fully optimized. If you are betting a hundred percent on your funnel, that's going to be your life from now until eternity. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not eternity, but you know what I mean? Like the next few years are going to be like optimizing, optimizing, optimizing until you get, you get people responding to your funnel. And maybe the reality is until you get a quote from Gene Simmons of kiss, you're not gonna, have a funnel that people care about. You know what I mean? <laughs> Until you got a quote from like someone super high profile that builds your credibility and your authority, it's not going to work. That said, funnels still can work great for a lot of people. So I'm not discouraging you and saying don't do it. But you want to experiment with things like Bandcamp, SoundCloud, yeah. funnels like we talked about, social media, blogging is absolutely for some people. See if you can get onto podcasts. See if you can make it on YouTube, make some videos. Again, it's tough. You know, don't think of it as any of these as quick get rich quick schemes. You're gonna to want to try memberships. So Patreon, 
you can check out like i like to use 10x pro it's not cheap but you can build membership sites you can build courses you can build private coaching you can do anything with it that you could possibly want and it's more powerful than click funnels oh wow yeah and if you're looking at social media, there's social media syndication and distribution tools that will pump your posts to 20, 30 networks at a time. I'm not oh. suggesting, you know, you abuse that. You can definitely take advantage of it, though, if you check in with those 20, 30 social networks a day and actually interact with the people there. But again, that's going to be work. So I guess the message really is it's going to depend and you're going to want to experiment with some different strategies and tactics. I still think if you have the core of audience, brand, and website, then you're off to a pretty good start. You're off to a better start than most artists are. If you get your approach down of how to connect with people and engage them, you're miles and miles ahead of most artists. And then if we can drill down into tactics and strategies and iterate fast, then we can find a winning formula. Yeah, amazing. That is absolutely amazing and so insightful. And I want to highlight something that you mentioned that's not often talked about at all, mm. at all in the music industry. It's talked about in the digital marketing space, but not so much in the music industry. And that's about having different products at different price points, ranging mm. from $0.09 cents or um, to $9,999 if you can do it. Um, I'm saying dollars and cents. It can be pounds and euros. It can be whatever. Totally. You know, the currency is, is kind of irrelevant, but that is something that's not often talked about. Um, and as, you know, many musicians and music entrepreneurs know, Spotify, uh, Apple Music and all these um, DSPs, those rates per stream are less than pittance, right? Yeah. <laughs> if we're honest. So talking more about those different products at different price points, would you have any kind of general ideas or, um, you know, things that you can you could say that might spark ideas to the listeners when they, when they think, oh, I never thought about that before, but what could I do? I, let's say it's like a musician who makes music, you know, outside of coronavirus, they perform, mm -hmm. um, you know, the usual. What would you say would be a kind of rough starting point to start considering, it's like, okay, these are the sorts of price points that say, low ticket mid ticket high ticket roughly you know open to interpretation but just vaguely along those lines what artists could kind of you know yeah. do yeah it's definitely a mindset shift so yeah artists usually think their audience is them and therefore oh my audience doesn't have much money and therefore i should never charge more than 10 bucks or 20 bucks per thing you know what I mean? Yeah. So what you got to understand is there's probably people that are willing to spend two, three, four hundred bucks with you already. Very likely. Your fans are not you. A lot of these people have careers. They have desk jobs. They work in a corporation. They have solid pay. Uh, people that are, you know, a little older and single tend to have a lot more money. People that don't have kids tend to have a lot more money. Maybe college kids, not so much, but that's probably not going to represent your entire audience. You know what I mean? And college kids still find the money for booze and parties and, and for <laughs> concert tickets. So it, it's it's a matter of life or death, right? It, it, <laughs> that's what people will pay for. Um, one thing you can easily do is bundle up your entire catalog of music. 
And if you got 10 albums then say a hundred bucks, you know, and maybe that's still a little cheap. Like maybe you could charge closer to 200 bucks for your entire catalog of music, but it's psychologically sort of nice to let people know, Hey, this thing's on sale. Like they just like to see that. Oh, the, the price has been slashed. So therefore, you know, it's on sale and it appeals to me and I want it. You can create even bigger bundles than that with with t-shirts and merch and hats and buttons you can create guitar taps you can sell the stems from your tracks individually and have people create their own remixes which really in the end ends up helping you you can have entire transcriptions done of your music and there's there's a piano player david nevue i think he was one of the first guys that i came across his material and read his book about music marketing and yeah, a big part of what he does is he sells his piano music. He's a solo pianist. He make, creates really great mood music and people love to be able to play his stuff. He's not the most, he will say that he's not the most technically capable player in the world, but it's just that his music is so different and interesting that, that people ultimately end up wanting to, to play it. You can bundle up a night of performances. Like it used to be residencies were a big thing. Now I know right now, not, not much is going to happen happen performance wise but i'm talking if if and when it comes back at that scale you can bundle up a night of 10 performances and say if, if each one of those is 150 bucks then you're already talking a product that's 1500 and artists a lot of artists aren't thinking about that they don't put that on their website but like if you don't have the opportunity no one can pay for it so you got to create the opportunity you know what i mean and if any owners look at that Versus like negotiating back and forth and saying, well, how much do you usually pay artists? Well, of course, they're going to lowball you every single time. They just want people in there. That their, their job is to get people in their venue and sell booze and sell food. And so they're going to lowball you every single time. Why don't you send them to your website first and then say, these are my rights? And then you don't have to say it over the phone and be scared of having to have that confrontation. You just say, my rates are on my website. Look forward to hearing back. And it's as simple as that. And so many people prefer emails nowadays anyway. There might be some bookers that that want phone calls, but that's just the way it is. So, you know, those are a few starting points as far as how you can begin to diversify your product range. I think you could even create a book around your music. It could be pictures and a little bit of text and and tabs and and transcriptions and and really a mix of things so it's like a fan book or a coffee table book that people would just love to have around their house people love talking about music they love hearing about music they love tuning into the psyche of artists you know people were fascinated by uh you know the mystery of kirk cobain or the mystery of david bowie to this day people love to watch those interviews so behind the scenes uh, interviews behind the scenes DVDs of how the album was made all that kind of stuff yes they're individual products but again the opportunity to bundle up is huge and by bundling up you can create even higher ticket offers amazing I, I love that that's that's so true like I was in Waterstones which is like a bookshop in the UK I think Barnes and Noble is the American hmm. one. yeah and I saw this huge book when I say huge, it was like humongous. And it was like Rihanna was on the front. And I was like, wow. And then I picked it up and I started like flicking through. And it was pretty much a picture book. It wasn't like I personally didn't see any words there. Maybe there were a few. And the book was like 120 pounds or something. And, you know, 
dollars that's around 150 dollars or 160 dollars something like that and it was a book and it's like wow i was like <laughs> this is why rihanna was like the richest <laughs> female of in the music industry because she knows her stuff and so does her team so yeah and rihanna if you ever hear this i'm a big fan <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so definitely that's something that is amazing and I'm sure like a lot of musicians and music entrepreneurs listening to this may have the thoughts in their mind saying, yeah, that's cool for, you know, artists like Rihanna and stuff. But me, I don't know if people will care that much about me or want to pay that much. And like, what would you say to those people? How would you say they overcome their obstacles, um, whether those are physical obstacles or kind of mental mindset obstacles to, to help them move past that? and implement these sorts of things. What's fascinating is, I don't know if people know about a uh, website called Gig Salad. You can kind of list your services as an artist and be booked for various events and kind of charge a rate. What's fascinating about it though, is people like Beyonce are on there. And oh, so wow. they are playing the same bar mitzvahs, same weddings, same church functions that all of us as independent musicians have played. It's not advertised, but in their off season between tours, between albums and all that, they still go and play these gigs. <laughs> so if that doesn't tell you that we're basically on equal footing, then I'm not really sure what will, right? But okay, so you don't have a rabid following. You've been at it for a while. What's the problem? I guess there could be a few scenarios. One is maybe your music's not great. And... A lot of young artists are going to, you know, be full of piss and vinegar and want to make a huge difference in the world and, 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 you know, transform the world with their music. The only problem is they don't really necessarily have the skills to be able to do that just yet. And, and that's why music is a long game. It just is because you're going to you're going to practice and you're going to get better. And that might be 10 years of your life. And then you're going to go out and begin building a fan base. And that might be 10 years of your life. And then maybe you finally get signed to your label or finally start making six figures. That's that's the journey that's not often talked about. Are there ways to shortcut it? Yeah, absolutely. You can develop as an artist while you're building your fan base. But you got to prove that you're getting better because nobody's going to keep coming to your lame coffeehouse gigs where you know your vocals are off tune, your guitar playing sucks, and your songs aren't great. <laughs> Improve every single time that's your responsibility and if every performance is better then people are going to keep coming back and they're going wow even though you're still not awesome <laughs> you you between the first time and the second time noticeable difference you're getting better you need to keep doing this like that's how people are going to begin to feel about it you can be like an underdog the other one is audience so maybe we're just not connecting with the right audience Maybe you have years and years into your music. Maybe your music is good. Maybe a few people have even told you in your you know, inner circle of friends that, hey, what you do is great and we really like it. And they're hugely supportive of you already. But for some reason, it's not connecting with anybody else. So you have to consider, am I talking to the right audience? And am I sharing the right message? If those things aren't really in place, then you can experience that kind of disconnect and being sometimes being so general is actually a problem. 
So like, I am a solo guitarist, like Joe Satriani. Okay, well, I mean, Joe Satriani is insanely talented. And the only other, I mean, there's a few people like him that have sort of adopted the, the instrumental guitarist aesthetic, but there's only so many whether it's you know slash has done some stuff like that and and steve Vai, of course sounds a bit like satriani because he was a student of satriani but that's going to be that's going to be a tough one so if if you're a solo guitarist you might want to say like i create solo guitar music for spas and relaxation centers and meditation and then you're now beginning to appeal to a more specific audience and you could literally bring your music into those locations and say would you be interested in maybe playing? Just have a listen, right? You don't even have to push it any further than that. Drop off your CD and say, have a listen. Maybe you might enjoy it. And before long, your music could be spreading in that community. So sometimes being too general can really work against you. But I would say it's probably going to be one or two of those things. Or, you know, number three is we're artists and Sometimes we don't like ourselves all that much and we're depressed and we just get down on ourselves and that's not terribly attractive to, to others. I'm not saying to keep private, but there, there comes a point where you want to be, become the kind of person that's endorsable. The reality is I know graphic designers who are way better and way more talented than I am and could do things way more faster, but I get the job a lot of the time because I'm showing up in front of people every single day. I publish on my blog every single day. Sometimes I publish two or three pieces of content per day, depending on the website. I get the job just because of consistency, just because people know they can count on me, just because they know they can rely on me. It has nothing to do with skill. I have over a decade in graphic design, and I'm still not great at it. I just know how to do it. So <laughs> that's just an example. But if you're showing up, that's going to make a difference, you know, and that's I get it. Like that can be a challenge for artists to be extroverted and show up in Facebook groups and forums and networking events and to continue to be a face and, and not just like a face in a crowd, but actually be somebody with, with some clout, but that's what you got to do. Uh, definitely. That, that's amazing advice. No, it's so, it's so true. And um, like, like you said, some people, they don't want to, get up in people's faces and I love the fact that you said you know it'd be extrovert because some people may not realize there's quite a lot of musicians and performers that are actually introvert and then mm -hmm. the other side kind of comes out on stage but in kind of everyday life they're not necessarily the ones to be all up in your face all the time and another really key point that you highlighted is that it's not necessarily about the skill level so so like someone who is okay and you know not like absolutely spectacular at skill but they're always showing up they're always you know putting themselves out there they're likely to go way further than than the inconsistent amazing person that's like brilliant like for 2.7 percent of the year and the rest of the time they're in a shell or like hiding underneath a rock somewhere doing something else um and and even that lack of consistency it's i i cannot not even um <laughs> i go on to quite the rabbit hole talking about consistency because it's like mm -hmm. breaking momentum is one of the most detrimental things <laughs> like it's crazy um 
so yeah, no, that is that is actually, it's it's. I think a lot of people need to hear that. It, well, you and I would not have connected if not for consistency, right? Like I consistently yeah. showed up on Noah Kagan's live stream, and that there you were, and it's just you know happenstance that you happen to have a podcast, and I have a podcast, and I've been at this a while, and that we're in the same industry. Uh, we didn't plan that, but yeah, it was through consistency that that even occurred. So commitment comes, and then the magic follows. Exactly, I I second that. I completely agree. And another thing as well, um, with the with the digital space, is that I, in my experience, when I speak to a lot of musicians, um, in some music entrepreneurs, but more so artists and musicians, the digital space is like, you go, what's that movie? I'm not thinking Jumanji, but you know, it's like this unknown realm. That is has nothing to do with them, but in fact, I personally would argue that the digital space has everything to do with music artists and creatives, especially mm. now, because I feel it's like an extension of of um, the music industry. And, and I've actually thought for a while now that a lot of the stuff that's working in the digital space, like all these gurus that pop up and the person's development stuff that pops up on every YouTube ad and all that kind of stuff. A lot of it was inspired by the music industry, the kind of rock concert style motivation and, you know, putting your brand out there and leveraging that to get like sponsorships and stuff. A lot of that happened in the music industry before it was happening in the digital space for these digital products and service offers and stuff. So, so actually I would say that, you know, the, the internet, kind of culture of today was somewhat built off the back of the music industry and even big things like Napstar back in the day and LimeWire and all those things that kind of came in and after the the dot-com boom those played such a big part of like shaping the current music industry culture now and the internet culture now and people don't really like think about it so much but yeah now we have this pandemic that has thrown it in everyone's face. Like you have to be online now. You have no choice to not be online. You have to be online as a creative, as a musician, as a music entrepreneur, and you have to use tools. <laughs> yeah, there's a book called Blockchain Revolution, and in it, the authors basically suggest that musicians are always at the forefront of technology, testing the boundaries of what's possible with new tech and new tools and new apps and so forth. So that's a huge compliment to us musicians in the music industry, you know? So it just goes to show that a lot of this innovation happened. You know, the other sector that has a ton of innovation is porn. <laughs> the The reason the internet even evolved is because of that, but uh, not, not to give too much attention to that either way. Music industry is great. Musicians are great. Um, we're always pushing the boundaries. And when people say, you know, marketers ruin everything, some of those marketers are definitely musicians. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Definitely some of them are musicians. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. And if there was one thing that you would, you know, say about, social media and digital marketing to all kind of music entrepreneurs and music artists listening to this podcast right now. What is that thing that you would say to them? 
the one thing I think it all comes down to mindset. If, if there was only one thing that I could possibly relay, if there was only one thing that I could share that would be of, of value is that it's 80% psychology and 20% execution. You, you've got to be able to take some hits. Some people are going to say no. Some people are going to reject you. Many, many, many emails will never be responded to. Just never. And it's about what you do with that. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with the outcome of having done it because you actually went and did the work. And I don't know too many people that are out there doing the work right now. I just don't. If you're out there doing the work, then that should be a reward all its own. Who cares about the no's? Who cares about the rejection? Who cares about the unanswered emails? The dream is yours. Take responsibility for it. If you want to make your dream a possibility, you can never give up on yourself. And you have to keep persisting through anything that comes because you're going to, things are going to come your way. When you make a big commitment to yourself, there's always going to be something that comes and challenges you. You're going to get sick. You're going to have a breakup. A family member is going to die. And that's not to call those things into your life. Not at all. It's just been my experience. Anytime you make a big commitment to yourself, something will show up that wants to stop you dead in your tracks. And it's what you do with that moment right there that defines the difference between someone like Diddy and some unknown rapper. Yeah. No, I, I second that. Amazing. That's so good. I think that is like a really nice note to end on, to mm. give to our listeners today. Um, I think it's been such an amazing podcast interview. And to wrap things up, I just want um, you know, share where we can find you, where we can listen to you, connect, reach out, and what's your socials and all that jazz. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you're always welcome to stop on over at musicentrepreneurhq.com. Like I said, we always got a great set of tools and resources and books and ebooks and all kinds of stuff available. I just launched my new course platform, contentmarketingmusician.com. So the Entrepreneurial for Essentials Musicians Masterclass is up. It's available for $9 right now, but it won't be for long. So go and grab it as soon as possible. Price will go up every week. And I'm on Twitter, uh, hanging out a lot there. If you want to follow me on Medium, that's great too. Either way, it's David A. Weeb or at David A. Weeb. That's my username on Twitter and Medium. So look forward to connecting with you over there. Amazing. Thank you everyone for listening. This has been the Gaki Music Podcast. And if you have any questions or if you want to reach out, um, type in podcast at gakimusic.com and send all your questions and queries there thank you very very much so where do you see yourself in this conversation what did you identify with most where are you doing well and what are some areas for improvement have you figured out the next steps you need to take in your music career what are they if you'd like to continue this conversation, I'd like to point you to my book, The New Music Industry, which lays out a comprehensive plan for artist success, utilizing cutting-edge digital marketing strategies and tactics. Reviewer Buddy Love said, if this guy doesn't list it, it probably doesn't exist. Really a great tool for musicians on how to gain traction on social media. To pick up your copy and to pick up where this conversation left off, Go to musicentrepreneurhq.com slash ebook to get your digital or paperback copy. 
of the new music industry today. This has been episode 235 of the New Music Industry Podcast. I'm David Anjoui, and I look forward to seeing you on the stages of the world. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast.